the fear on you. Stand and deliver. And not a word you heard was true. But if there's nothing you can say, it may be nothing you can do. Stand and deliver. Episode number seven? Uh, Patrick Wood, seven? Are we up to seven? I think we're up to seven. Up to seven. I think we're up to seven. Yeah, how about that? Welcome to Stand and Deliver, episode number seven. Probably should have took that, uh, checked that before we started, but we didn't, so now we know. Uh, welcome. My name is Bob France. I am the National Communications Director of Citizens for Free Speech, and I'm here with... Patrick Wood. I'm the director and founder of Citizens for Free Speech. This is exciting to be after another podcast. that We do this weekly, as you know, released on Friday at noon. And today we've got uh, some very interesting topics that relate to free speech to talk about. Uh, if there's any glitches, well, but- by the way, in my video signal, don't worry about it. I have not turned into Max Headroom uh, <laughs> or anything like that. It just happens to be a glitch that periodically goes boop, and then we just move on. Patrick, we do have a lot of uh, uh, very important stuff to cover in this episode of Stand and Deliver about free speech. But the very first one, you've you've dropped the ball on. I see no pronouns. You need to identify pronouns. What do you feel like today? What emotional feeling do you have that makes you believe that you are maybe something other than Patrick Wood today? you got to pick some pronouns. That's right. I, I probably could just say Max Headroom, but, you know, I've been thinking about that. You remember from, from years and years ago, uh, he was the consummate, the consummate news announcer. Of course, a car, kind of a cartoon fair, character, but uh, it, it was hilarious uh, parody. <laughs> he was kind of like a digital, like like before the real That's right. internet digital yes. age. Max Headroom was like a digital character if you will um and so yeah that's good i'll call you max if i don't refer to you as patrick as you can see on the screen anybody watching uh stand and deliver today i'm going to be his dudeness or dude or el duderino if you are not into the whole brevity thing and fans of the the movie know exactly what we're talking about one of jeff bridge's greatest characters ever the big lebowski so you can call me dude patrick or or el duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing uh that's just the way that that goes we got it so yeah we we pick our pronouns that's the way it works in free speech land in america in 2022 pat we've got four big topics to talk about today i'm going to start with the one that's going to be the easiest to get through okay because you and I yes. talked uh, episode three, maybe, I want to say about two or three episodes ago, about the Alabama license plate, right? Yes. Remember this? Yes, I do. The, the gentleman in Alabama got a license plate from the state that said um, LGBF space JB. The clear inference being, let's go, Brandon, blank Joe Biden. All right? Uh, it didn't say anything profane. We know that. But it was the initials. And somebody decided that's objectionable, reported him to the state, and the state said, yeah, you got to turn those back in. They, they threatened to fine him if he didn't turn those back in within two weeks and get different plates. Update on the story. Winning. Massive national pressure. Mm-hmm. And uh, dare I... We pat ourselves on the back here. I don't know if they were specifically because of Citizens for Free Speech, but national pressure on the state of Alabama Licensing Bureau relented and said, okay, we're not going to be recalling that plate after all. They even gave him an apology. Not like, sorry for violating your rights of free speech, but sorry for the inconvenience this caused you. But, Pat, that's huge, man. We always have these, these battles and we try to fight them. And public pressure, according to two reports I read, um, 
got this guy his license plate back. He can express himself how he wants. Yes, absolutely. You know, once uh, once the cancel culture has kicked in on somebody or whatever the issue would be, this is a good one, a good example. Normally, it never backs off. It just gets worse and mm-hmm. worse and worse, and you can't win. It's like trying to trying to win an argument with a troll on the internet, you know, like on Facebook or something. You can't do it. They just won't shut up, and they just keep coming back and call you names or whatever, and you just end up throwing up your hands and running out of the room. Well, this time was different because, yes, they did back off. And in that sense, this is a really, really good, um, maybe an omen that it is possible to break the cancel culture. Start of things to come? For things to come. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this is the first of, you know, uh, the, the, the chink in the armor, you know, the crack uh, that, that may, you know, break the dam. I don't know. But I tell you what, I feel really good about it, like I said, because we're sitting here wondering how in the world they keep getting away with these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. The First Amendment is very, very clear. It wasn't profane. It was just depending on what you wanted to read those letters as. If you took the time to read somebody's license plate anyway. Uh, and so it, the fact that this is a, is a victory for one guy is a victory for, I think, Quite frankly, for all of us, it's one small one. There need to be many, many more. But I was—I wanted to report that to everybody watching yes. us and, and, and listen to us and talk about that because that's a huge, huge feather in the cap of freedom and free speech. So, Pat, you want to lead us into to the second one? Let's talk about another issue we've discussed, mm-hmm. and we've discussed it in many forums as a part of Citizens for Free Speech: um, the domestic terrorist label that the federal government started to throw at parents who express themselves freely at school board meetings. Yes. There is a bill that was introduced last year, early last year, called H.R. 350. That's, of course, in the in the House uh, in Washington, D.C. And it doesn't matter who uh, introduced it necessarily, other than it was a Democrat. And since then, there's been, oh, I don't know, probably 200, more than 200 co-sponsors that have signed on to this. But it, uh, it has to do with terrorism, in particular, a terrorism bill. And, and the, the bill is currently sitting in committee, subcommittee. It may get out. It may not. We're not really sure yet. We're watching very, very closely because this is one we're going to jump on like white on rice. Totally. We're going to get after this one. What it does is establishes an office in all of the major law enforcement agencies to, um, to combat domestic terrorism. Now, this doesn't exist right now, and there's nothing wrong with our law enforcement agencies the way they are already. Well, sort of there is, but you know what I mean. They don't need any more layers of uh, organization to figure out who's domestic terrorist or not. We kind of learned this lesson a few weeks or months ago when uh, a school board association, it's a national school boards association, is called the NSBA, um, sent a letter to uh, the Department of Justice asking them to investigate as a hate crime, as a domestic terrorism event, to investigate what was going on in school boards around the country, because a lot of people were getting very heated with their school boards, and understandably so, because they wouldn't listen, and we're just talking about ordinary mama bears and papa bears in some cases, were trying to get some action, some traction with these school boards. Well, the, um, the NSBA took it upon themselves, after a little coaching from the Department of Justice itself, to write the letter in the first place. They sent the letter. The attorney general immediately responded, handed over to the, to the FBI, and all of a sudden, the FBI is raiding the home of one of those mama bears in Colorado. 
scared the living daylights out of her because, you know, they just barged in and it was horrible. No, they didn't well, scare her. You know what they did to her? Well, they terrorized her. They terrorized her. They yeah. they committed an yes. act of terrorism. Yes. They terrorized yes. that woman for no reason whatsoever. Sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt. Well, I, I mean, right. the irony shouldn't be lost on anybody here. It's exactly what they did. That's exactly right. And, and this is just a horrible situation. And, of course, there's a big stink. A lot of senators stood up at the time. Some congressmen uh, stood up and said, this is totally unacceptable for the government to treat ordinary citizens in America as domestic terrorists. And yet that's exactly what they did. Now, this bill essentially would codify that into legislation. So far, there's been no legislation on this. But now, this bill could turn it into uh, an official, you know, kind of an official thing, and mm-hmm. mandate that these offices uh, within, like, the FBI and the Homeland Security, Department of Justice, would all have these special little uh, alcoves for fighting domestic terrorism. They get to find who to, they get to define who the domestic terrorists are, and we already know who those are. You know, anybody that's, for instance, well, the Southern Poverty Law Center says is a domestic terrorist, or if it's a, somebody that protested a school board, if it's somebody that resists the official narrative from the government or for anybody else for that matter, the World Health Organization, whatever, could be considered a domestic terrorist and come under scrutiny immediately. This is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous bill, H.R. 350. Keep your eye on it. If it gets out of subcommittee and goes into full committee, we're going to make a major initiative at CFFS to allow our membership to contact their representatives immediately and say, this is unacceptable. Well, we, we've got to clarify that, too. Um, right now, it's being considered by the Judiciary Committee. Those would be the representatives that you want to contact and talk to. Uh, the ranking member of that committee is Jim Jordan, who happens to be my congressman in District 4 in Ohio. Um, he went after uh, Jerry Nadler, who's the, the uh, 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 chair of that committee, because Jerry Nadler will not do what needs to be done here, which is to call the Attorney General Merrick Garland in before that committee and get him to publicly renounce and uh, revoke that characterization uh, that was, you know, that was was made of parents who just go to school board meetings and argue against CRT or argue against, uh, you know, the the the, the gender uh, uh, movement or uh, you know the trans bathroom movement or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Hence, that's the beauty. Of free speech. It doesn't matter what their argument is over. They have to have a right to be able to express it without being silenced and shut down and treated like terrorists for coming in. And especially if they, you know, the language that they used, um, the National School Board Association said that some of the board members are feeling intimidated and harassed. Well, what does intimidation and harassment entail? It wasn't defined. Does asking a question once of a board member and not getting an answer and then asking it a second time? Does that constitute harassment? It could in the eyes of the board member, and thus a report to the FBI, and you got a parent who wasn't getting an answer, who asked it twice, maybe even three times. That's really harassing. And if you raise your voice a little bit because you didn't get an answer the first or second time, that's intimidating. Intimidation, harassment, you just check both boxes. You're about to be investigated by the blue windbreakers at your door, just like that poor woman in Colorado did. So... It's it's so bad. You, you alluded to it a little bit, Patrick. It wasn't just coaching by the uh, Justice Department. According to what was later found, it was requested 
by the Justice Department. It was requested, we need somebody to make a complaint against these parents so we have a legitimate reason to then sick the FBI on them to shut them up and shut them down while these school boards do our, our leftist and doctrinist, you know, uh, agenda. Um, so anyway, Jim Jordan, who happens to be my congressman, told Jerry Nadler, uh, this bill, if it passes, would codify, as you just pointed out, the, the parents as domestic terrorists. Uh, Nadler uh, said basically, well, I would simply point out to the fact that the, the National School Board Association chairman apologized for that letter. And Jordan said, exactly. Because he knew it was bogus, he know it's it knows it's wrong, but it's still there. An apology by the school boards association doesn't change the fact that Garland has told the FBI to consider these parents domestic terrorists. <laughs> and until he goes before the Judiciary Committee and then issues a public revocation of that designation of terrorism, um, then it's the danger is still there. And yeah. this bill must be crushed, yeah. Patrick, and that's where our advocacy <clears throat> comes in. That's right. So, some of uh, some of our listeners might be aware that many attorneys general <clears throat> at the county level around, um, and at the state level as well, around the country, were financed by uh, an organization that is funded by George Soros. Extremely left-wing uh, attorneys general were, you know, put, put into office with, with extra funding and so on. And um, what happens here? If this does turn into law, which I just hope it doesn't for sure, but we're, we're going to raise the biggest stake the world's ever seen over it. What happens once word gets out that there is an office with a phone number at all these different agencies, okay, this is what's going to happen. It's guaranteed because I, I read every word, by the way, of the 17-page bill just to confirm. I had to think about it. You know, you kind of have to chew on it for a while. What does it really say? And it is so vague, number one that it opens up the door to anything, although it did make several references to white supremacy, uh, supremacy um, and hate crimes. Didn't define well, it. That's because, if you, that's because if you are at a school board meeting right. protesting the inclusion of critical race theory that's right. in your kid's curriculum, well, then clearly <clears throat> that makes you a white supremacist that's right. or, a, so, or a white nationalist or whatever. That's right. So here's the scenario. If this gets passed in the law, every school board, everybody in society that is trying to destroy our country and destroy free speech is going to keep that in their hot dial section of their phone. And if anybody gives them any headache or any hassle or, you know, any protest, any pushback, they're going to hit the auto dial. Hello, Homeland Security. Uh, This is so-and-so. I want to report an act of domestic terrorism out here and wherever it might be, fill in the blank, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, doesn't matter. And I have a serious issue here, and I want you to investigate it because that is what you are there for, to investigate this offense that I've had, this hate crime that's been right before me. I just couldn't believe that it happened to me, Your Honor, or whatever it is. And you can just see. Somebody raised raised their voice to me about an issue I disagreed with. That's right. That's, it. This, That's all it takes. This is an attack on free speech like none other because it will absolutely turn <clears throat> free speech in our country upside down. And all of a sudden you've got law enforcement making criminals out of people who have no criminal intent whatsoever. They're just trying to ex- exercise Probably their against their will. Rights. 
Yeah, probably against their will to put law enforcement, yes. you know, being forced to do these things that they're yes. told to, um, you know, by the federal authorities, you know, if they can essentially yes. be told what to do. Yeah, they don't want to they don't want to enforce these ridiculous things. But it's what it would the, the bottom line is nobody wants to have the FBI at their door looking into their accounts, looking into their yeah. affairs, looking into anything. So people will just be afraid to go to school board meetings altogether. Yeah, not going, not going to complain. Sorry, kid brings home a thing that that is just completely uh, ridiculous and perhaps dangerous. Sorry, uh, sweetheart, you're on your own. If I go complain, daddy's mm-hmm. going to the FBI or get a, get a report of the FBI. So, uh, it's 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 it is as you say, you know, maybe unlike any other, it is a very very dangerous right. situation that we're wandering into with that. Um, let's move on, Pat, and let's talk about Ukraine. Not yeah. really, because Ukraine isn't a free speech issue, really, or is it? Tucker Carlson. Fox News superstar. His ratings uh, in the uh, uh, Fox News primetime lineup double and triple anybody else's. And in fact, uh, the other competing networks kind of combined. That's how popular he is. Well, they're coming for him probably because of that popularity. He has taken a very interesting stand on the issue of what America's role should be in responding to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And Pat, what his opinion is doesn't matter. I mean, I'll tell you, just for the sake of the completion of the story, he is arguing that we should be more or less non-interventionist here, solve our problems here, rather than arming the Ukrainians and confronting the Russians, because it could lead to you know further loss of life, uh, uh, World War III, uh, confrontation with a nuclear power like Russia, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what his opinion of both. Here's what does matter for CFFS, Pat, and here's where we got to stand and deliver. <sighs> He's being called out on television, national television, and including by uh, former legislators as as being an asset of Vladimir Putin and Russia, being a Russian tool, spreading Russian propaganda, and uh, somebody who is, is bordering on treason. Claire McCaskill, former senator from Missouri, said that Tucker Carlson, she said this on MSNBC, is creeping really close to the line on treason. On The View, Whoopi Goldberg said these words. We used to arrest people for stuff like this. And I think, wait a minute, when? When did we arrest people for expressing a different opinion on, on, a, on a matter of war or on a matter of an international conflict? You know who used to arrest people for that and still does? Russia does. That's kind of the point. They don't have free speech over there. We do here. They're trying to deny him and anybody else like this their right to free speech, Pat, because they consider it potentially treasonous. Yes. Isn't that incredible? I'm sorry, Max. That's just, it's absolutely incredible. The concept here, uh, in my mind, that pops up immediately is that the entire anti-war movement is all of a sudden going to be declared an, you know, a, a domestic terrorist threat. And, and you know, anti-war sentiment in America goes back decades. I was a product of the uh, the Vietnam War. There was plenty of anti-war protests back then, and the only reason people ever got arrested is if they hit somebody or assaulted somebody or broke something. But uh, they were free to, to, to say whatever they had to say, and there was plenty of people on the media that had something to say about it as well, and they never called them a, a, a treasonous uh, whatever. Um, this has been the case over the years. What would have happened? You lived through it. You, well, Pat, you lived through it. What would have happened if in the 60s, and in the early 70s, in the Vietnam War protests, and even up to the Summer of Love and everything else, what would have happened if there had been social media then? And what would have happened yes. if there had been 24-7 news coverage then? <clears throat> well, that's and right. And there would have been the same climate, that's the right. same climate of yeah. fear that they have right now. Yeah. I, mean, here, I can't even imagine. Here's, here's the deal with all that. If, if the government had had the tools that they have today to 
uh, use propaganda to, to as a sledgehammer against their enemies. They would have used them back then. The only thing that's changed is that the weapons today are more powerful. The weapons of propaganda are much more powerful today than they ever have been in history. The government is the same, however. The government has a narrative. There was a very strong um, identification back in those days with the war hawks that wanted to prosecute a war. It didn't, almost didn't matter where, but they picked Vietnam. And, uh, you know, there's the same, uh, the same group of people that Eisenhower warned about us in his farewell speech. You've got to be careful. Watch out for that military-industrial complex. Um, we're still watching out for them, aren't we? And, you know, somebody stands up and says, you know, I think maybe these war hawks have gone a little bit too far. They're trying. They have another agenda other than the one that they're just putting out in the, in the public. And this is, I think, what, what, uh, what Carlson was really kind of, uh, you know, pushing back against. You know, these guys do not have the sole right in America to declare war on another country. We're all in, we're kind of all in this together. I guess you could say that. But, you know, this is the whole country, if you took a poll, the majority of people do not want to send troops to die in Ukraine. Period. Right. Under subject. They don't but, want it. But, but, the, but the bigger picture here is it doesn't matter. Yes, Even it doesn't if they matter. do. It doesn't matter what the, the overarching public <clears throat> sentiment is or what the stated policy of the federal government is. Right. If a guy on TV wants to disagree with that, then he's allowed to disagree with that. Absolutely. That's not... That's Absolutely. not engaging in, you know, in, in, in you know, uh, propaganda for the enemy or calling it Russian propaganda. He has the right to say, I don't think we should mess around over there. You know, right. sorry, I don't like to see dead Ukrainians either. <sighs> but you know what? I'm more worried about our southern border than their, their, their border with Russia. Let's deal with that first. If somebody wants yeah. to say that yes. and somebody wants to say, I'm not concerned about Vladimir Putin, it doesn't make him a Putin fan. Right. And it doesn't mean his, his First Amendment rights should be, should be revoked yes. and that he should be threatened on TV with being <laughs> arrested for expressing himself. And this, this is, is why CFFS yeah. exists, right, Pat? This is just one right, symptom. Right this is just one symptom of the larger war on free speech in general. It's their way or the highway. And if you, yep. it, it, whether it's medical, whether it's uh, whether it's this or some other issue that people are dealing with, critical race or whatever, if you say anything contrary to the official narrative, you, people come after you like like you're the worst person on earth, and. You know, they hammer you to death until you shut up, until you get intimidated where you don't want to speak anymore. You just don't want to even go out of your house practically to speak anymore. And I hope I hope that uh, the Tucker Carlson has the um, the backbone to stand up to this. And I, I think he does. I don't think he's going to just quit and run off and say, oh, mom, my feelings are hurt. and I'm out of here. Uh, he needs no, to stand up to this and just just give it dish it right back to him. Right. He back is to him. every night. And I give him credit for that. And you want to hear something else? Pat, that that should really underscore the point about supporting free speech. I disagree with him. I disagree with his opinion entirely. Mm -hmm. I, I I really do. I interviewed a Ukrainian soldier live on the ground. It wasn't in Kiev, uh, but he was in a in a in a battle torn city in Ukraine. I talked to him live on my radio program, and I'm telling you the things that I heard. Um, we absolutely should be helping them get air support. That doesn't mean with our pilots and our planes. But in my view, um, if we can just kind of uh, do what, what they're requesting, which is the MiGs from Poland, and then we backfill with F-16 to Poland so that they are not without their own, you know, their own aircraft, if they allow the Ukrainians to patrol their own airspace, they'll defeat the Russians on the ground. There are already 7,000 dead Russians since they invaded. That's more 
than the Americans lost, we lost, in Afghanistan and Iraq combined in 20 years of war. Right. That's in, in a month, in less than a month. They need the air of uh, the campaign, the Russians do, to keep killing Ukrainians. Yeah. And I disagree with Tucker. I think we should just, again, we're not engaging, but we're saying, go ahead, Poland, give Ukraine your MiGs so because they know how to fly them. We'll send you some aircraft that you know how to fly so that you can you know, still have your own defenses. That's all we got to do. That's our only role in this whole thing. And you don't have to agree with me. I don't care. But t- I, that's the opposite of what Tucker says. And yeah. I will defend Tucker's right to say it yeah. every single day because <clears throat> this, that's what we're supposed to do. This is exactly how foreign policy should be determined by open discussion. This is how medical policy should have been determined by open discussion. This is how any any uh, local political issue needs to be solved by open discussion. This is the heartbeat of America. This is, how, this is what right. has made America America for the last 250 years. And it's being crushed right before our nose. This is the heartbeat of the essence of free speech. And th- these are how we hammer the things out within our own country. It doesn't matter what level of government you're talking about. Our country was built on open debate, open discussion. Sometimes it got pretty heated. Even the founders of our nation got into very heated discussions and arguments at times. But they never pulled out a pistol and shot each other because they didn't, you know, they, they said, you have to shut up and I'm going to shut you up permanently. They didn't do that. They said, you know, this is part of the this is part of the process, and we live with it. We deal with it. And if you're offended, too bad. You come back to the table and you argue some more. Uh, so, yes, yeah. anything like this is just completely out of the park. We need to, uh, you know, the, we need to reject that part of it completely. People have the right to speak. Now, I'll, I'll temper that. When propaganda is concerned, propaganda is a different animal. Propaganda is intended to deceive people. I say intentionally deceiving people into doing something it would not otherwise do. We need to be careful with propaganda because that really doesn't fall under the concept of free speech. If you are lying to somebody purposely, trying to cheat them out of something or a position or, or idea or whatever, then that that crosses the line. That's that's not at all what we look for. And I have to say our founder, founding fathers, they talked about that a lot too. You know, they, they demanded honesty. They demanded transparency. And we're dealing with this today, again, big time, all over the place. This whole business about transparency is just, you know, we've lost it. We really have. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, I was doing a little decorating here as you made your last comments on this because I want to, we always tell people, but sometimes it works visually. So I was trying to do this on my iPad while you were talking there. Hey, does everybody see that? Yeah, <laughs> yes. That's how you become a, <laughs> that's how you become a member of Citizens for Free Speech. Text CFFS. Two, three, one, three, one, three, one. It's not my best artwork, but I literally tried to do it off the cuff <laughs> while you were speaking without Perfect. looking down too terribly much. Perfect. I want everybody to see that because that's a big part of what yes. we do. Patrick, we got time for one more story here, uh, maybe because there's four minutes left. But this has got to be of such a great concern to everybody. This is our. These are our future leaders. These are our future policymakers, our future politicians. These are lawyers, Ivy League lawyers in the making. Yale Law students students disrupted a bipartisan free speech panel. Uh, More than 120 of them this week, um, they threw a temper tantrum at a bipartisan panel. The panel was hosted by the Federalist Society, and it featured Kristen Wagoner. You may know that name. She's uh, with Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, and Monica Miller, an associate at the Progressive American Humanist Association, okay? The discussion was held, oh, I take that back, it wasn't this week, it was March 10th, so it's a, it was last week. The discussion was held in the hopes of showing how a liberal atheist, Monica, and a conservative Christian, 
Kristen, could get together and agree on free speech issue issues, which is what we need in this country, regardless of your politics. Yes. But 120 Yale Law students weren't having it. They came in, they disrupted it, they screamed, they threw middle fingers in the air. One of them jumped up immediately and screamed at Kristen Wagoner, quote, I will literally fight you right now, B. And you can spell the rest of that word. Um, the protesters were successful. They had to shut the event down, and the police had to be called to escort the conservatives who were in the group and uh, uh, part of the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom out so before they could be attacked. Patrick, Lord, help us. These are not just high schoolers or high school or uh, college freshmen, you know, philosophy majors or gender studies majors. These are law school students at Yale who literally silenced a free speech event about free speech because they didn't like the, the viewpoints of one of the speakers. Yeah. It, this, is, this is why we exist. I know. It really is. And, of course, the universities around the country are in, in tatters right now as far as free speech is concerned. Very few are really open and transparent anymore. But this is kind of over the top, especially because you're not dealing with um, – Oh, I don't know. Let's say you're not dealing with students that are studying basket weaving or drama or whatever, you know, so maybe something kind of more minor. These are the thinkers in society that are about to be released into society when they graduate to fill, you know, positions in law firms and get elected to positions like attorneys general and, you know, city city attorneys and stuff like that. Become judges. I mean, <laughs> Some yeah. judges are going to end up being judges. Really? And these are um, Ivy Leaguers. This is this yeah. is Yale, supposedly, yes. you know, the, yes. the, the benchmark, you know, along with Harvard right. and so on and so forth, if you listen to them. Uh, That's right. And, 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 and I, I, just, I, I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> well, here's the thing we need to know. Wherever we find something like this, we need to resist it. We need to tell people to resist it, and it's just not acceptable. And if you, you know, don't worry about you being canceled by it. Just stand up, and if you, if somebody tries to cancel you, don't worry about it. You know, just, just slough it off. And pick up again and just keep doing it. That's all we can do. We have to do that. We really have to stand yeah. and deliver. Yeah, and, we, and we've got to push back on this stuff. We've got to educate people on this stuff, too. They probably don't even know that it's going on in their universities. We really uh, do. if they do and they sign off on it, that's even that's even worse. I don't know. I am his dudeness, dude, or El Duderino today. And uh, this is... Max Headroom, right? You're going to claim that? Max Headroom, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm Patrick. Just want to make sure you're still claiming that as your pronoun today. Come and join us. Come and join us at CFFS. Text CFFS to 313131. Look to see you there. We have stood and delivered for the seventh time, and we will do it again next week. We'll see you then. Thanks, everyone.